This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. This is brand new information and vital news for those of you who are waiting for hip or knee replacement surgery. And if that's you, I want to hear your story. I also want to hear your story if you've had hip or knee replacement. Uh, and I'll I'll return the favor in kind and tell you about my story before we get into some of these numbers. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. The Canadian Joint Replacement Registry Annual Report says the demand for hip and knee replacement continues to increase with about 130,000 surgeries and inpatient costs and more than $1.2 billion annually in Canada. That is the cost. To help us break down the numbers as we wait on your stories, uh, if you've had hip or knee replacements or if you're about to have surgery or waiting for that surgery, we want you to share our, your story with us. Nicole DeGia joins me, Manager of Joint Replacement Registry patient reported outcomes and experience at the Canadian Institute for Health Information. Nicole, thanks for being with us here. Oh, good afternoon. So the most recent data is collected from 2017 18 17% increases over five years for both types of surgeries. That's, that's a staggering increase. Oh, it definitely is. And we've seen these increases happen over the years, and I, I think we'll still continue to see it. Um, hip and knee replacements are the second and the third most common surgeries performed in hospitals in Canada. And um, I don't think it's would be surprised. It seems like everybody knows somebody who's had a, a joint replacement these days. No, absolutely. Um, specifically, uh, are, are, I mean, we can more or less surmise that this is because of the aging population, the aging baby boomers. Definitely the uh, demographic um, shifts are playing a large rise in this. Um, even with this, with this, um, there are wait times as well for um, these procedures. And um, health systems across uh, the country are trying to meet this demand and so um, trying to find ways to, um, to add more opportunities to have these uh, procedures. Uh, tell us about uh, repeat surgeries. You have some stats uh, for those people who've had hip and knee replacement surgeries and then have had to go back into surgery uh, within five years. That's right. Um, These surgeries are intended to last upwards of 15 to 20 years um, before needing to be replaced. Um, However, what we're seeing is uh, last year, there were about uh, just under 10,000 repeat or revision surgeries in Canada. Some of them um, warranted, but some of them early revision, so needing a repeat surgery within just a few years. And this cost our healthcare systems uh, about $163 million in inpatient costs alone. Can we get from that, uh, and there's an 8%, 7% increase in hip and knee replacements um, that need to be re-performed. Uh, can we get from that that they weren't done properly in the first place or that the patient didn't adhere to warnings and cautions after they had the surgery? Yes, it's um, unfortunate. There isn't one single, you know, cause for why these repeat surgeries 
um, are needed or how they could be avoided. I mean, generally what happens is there's implant loosening um, or another reason that's very largely preventable is infection. Um, so there certainly are a number of sort of surgical and clinical factors um, and these other hospital factors and patient factors that could go into um, why these revision surgeries are needed. Can we talk a little bit more about the demographics of the people who get knee and hip replacement surgery um, in terms of their gender and, uh, and specific age so we can see where we fall into the, the categories? Um, certainly, well, generally you you find kind of an older population in the hip um, than the knee, and um, so what you what we're starting to sort of see is the you know the baby boomer population having a rise in the knee replacements, um, and I think with an earlier shift in demographics um, or people needing these knee these replacements earlier, you'll see eventually in somebody's lifetime they will need a, re- a revision surgery um, in the natural course of the lifetime. Um, this is across both uh, both sexes as well, um, with more females tending to need um, more hips, but more evenly split for knees. But the, um, evenly split, okay. Uh, but in terms of having to go back in and have the surgeries done again, how does that break down for men and women and uh, age groups? Um, we're not seeing right now um, kind of a you know a, a change in terms of. Uh, sort of differences by sort of age or sex in terms of who needs to have it redone. Um, I think overall the focus on um, the fact that there are so many revision surgeries or early revision surgeries taking place, I think that's the main kind of area of focus because um, these are much more complex surgeries, um, very complicated, longer recovery, 80% cost, um, longer, almost double the hospital stay compared to the primary. And from a patient's perspective, it's a very poor quality of life considering you've already gone through years of pain, had the initial surgery, and then have to go back and have an early surgery again. Nicole, would it be fair to say that uh, a lot of what leads to nip, knee and uh, hip replacement surgery, uh, obviously the age is, is a factor, but specifically osteoporosis, uh, that is a big issue for women. Uh, you've got it right that, um, well, osteoarthritis, it's a, in general, for both men and women, are the large driver for why these hip and knee replacements are occurring. So, so really, sort of the best, um, best that patients that we can all do, um, is to maintain a healthy lifestyle and keep mobile as possible to, you know, delay or reduce the need for requiring these surgeries in the first place because they're really the last resort after advanced stages of osteoarthritis. Okay, we've got the facts. Uh, Nicole, I'm going to go to the phone. Thank you very much for your time. Nicole DeGia, Manager of Joint Replacement Registry, Patient Reported Outcomes and Experience at the Canadian Institute for Health Information. And now to the stories, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. I want to go to Yvonne in Georgetown in just a moment. Um, but first, I, I, I promised you I would tell you my story. So it was 2013. Uh, and in 2013, I was 47 years old, not exactly a candidate uh, for hip and knee fractures or problems. So regular gym uh, user. Uh, at that time, I was regularly using the treadmill. Uh, running uh, with what I thought were good running shoes most of the time. This one particular day, for some reason, I put on a different pair of running shoes and got back from the gym and I was feeling a real 
sort of ache in the groin area and being younger and not really understanding that that was part of my hip, I thought, oh, I've stretched a muscle there. So I'll, I'll do some stretches. I'll take a couple days off from the gym. I'll go back. So I go back. I'm running on the treadmill and I feel excruciating pain. And I thought, okay, this is not normal. Stop the treadmill, go home, uh, go see my doctor. Uh, my doctor says, oh, you've pulled something likely. Physiotherapy is what you should do. So I proceed to do weeks of physiotherapy, and I'm not kidding. And at, at a certain point, uh, we were in a different facility, Zoomer Media at that time, uh, at the other place uh, down at Queen and Jarvis. And uh, I was walking with a cane around the hallways. One of my coworkers said, you're in a lot of pain. You should use a cane, right? And meanwhile, my husband keeps saying, you should go back to the doctor. This is not right. You should go back to the doctor. So you know, uh, well, she said it was a, it was a muscle pull, right? So finally, um, stubborn and all, I go back and my doctor says, well, let me just give you an x-ray. So wouldn't you know, almost three months later, I had a hip fracture. I had fractured my hip in February and I was told at Toronto Western, um, actually what happened is I had the x-ray at Toronto Western, went home. It was a Saturday night. I was washing windows and doing all this stuff and kind of getting used to the pain. My doctor calls me and she said, you need to be at Toronto Western tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. You have a fractured hip. So I go in and, um, I had surgery within 24 hours. Um, I have four pins in my hip, which will be there for the rest of my life. Uh, had, uh, physio afterwards. I was told I should never really run again as an exercise. So since then, the elliptical and I have become best friends. Um, but that was a scenario that I never imagined myself in at the age of 47 and, Healthy, eat well, good weight. Of course, we all want to lose five pounds, but for the most part, uh, feeling good. But that's how it can happen. And so I was in the healthcare system for a fractured hip. And I still go back uh, once or twice a year to visit my osteo doctor at Toronto Western Hospital because I kind of slip in and out of whether I actually have osteoporosis. So there's my story. <laughs> Let's go to Yvonne in Georgetown. Uh, Yvonne, uh, you have had surgery already as well. I've, I've had surgery on both knees. Nine years ago, I had it on my left knee. I had lots of pain over a period of two years and eventually uh, went to have it really looked at and they said, okay, we'll do it. Now, uh, I had it done in a November and back at, in January, the following January, I was back at work. The physiotherapy, the surgery was fantastic. The help was wonderful. I can't complain about it. And I was 70. So the right knee, they said, was okay. Just keep an eye on it. Well, it never bothered me. But a couple of years ago, it started up and I went back mm. and I was on uh, the waiting list for over a year. And I had it done in January. The surgery was fine. It was the same surgeon. I've got no complaints whatsoever. Wonderful. And, but the health in, help in the hospital was really bad, really poor. Uh, no help whatsoever. And uh, therapy when I came out again was, um, well, we haven't got really much, I haven't got a place for you to have therapy. And then, uh, I couldn't get home help. I had to go to the hospital. 
So I had to Raphael get a friends. They were wonderful. They drove me for therapy. But now the first knee I have like a hundred percent wonderful. The second knee it's and I know it's about nearly five months and I won't I feel I won't get the full bend on it. Mm. You know, uh it was like completely different help in the physio and in the hospital. And it was all with the same places. Right. Yvonne, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. It is an issue and obviously becoming more of an issue with a 17% increase in these types of surgeries uh, over the last five years. Sheila in New York, we're getting a little short on time, but I want to remind everybody that tomorrow is free for all Friday. So we'll happily talk about hip and knee replacements if you want to try to call back. But let's get to uh, Sheila and hear her story. Hi. Hi, go ahead, Sheila. I just wanted to say real quick that I had arthritis eat the ball out of my bowling socket in my hip, ah. and I couldn't walk. And they did hip replacement. It went very well, and they had me up that night, and I went to a real stringent rehab center. And it was called boot camp. That's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely wonderful. It was the best thing I could have done. I worked very hard for three weeks. I went home, and I've not had any problems since then, but it was something that had to be done. Right. And how are you doing now? I'm doing beautifully. That is good news. That is great. That's where we will end the show then. Sheila, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.